Okay, well, welcome to another Inspire Group podcast. And, uh, you know, continuing a series we've had running for quite a while of catching up with leaders uh, from Malaysia, obviously from our office in Kuala Lumpur. And um, this week, um, you know, and I think this has come about through that sort of wonderful experience of meeting new people on LinkedIn that we've all had through lockdown. Um, I got chatting online with with Narini Kasim, who has just stepped down as CEO of Banama, who are the national news agency of Malaysia. Uh, and I guess one of the second questions or third questions I asked her was, was should, would you like to come on this podcast? And Narini, you kindly said yes. So so welcome uh, to the Inspire Group podcast. It's great to have you on. Oh, thank you very much, James. Thank you for inviting me. It was you know, unexpected, but well, it was a good opportunity to try something different. So thank you very much. You're very welcome. I thought we would just grab that opportunity as you stood down from that CEO role. You're going to have a little bit of time on your hands. And I thought that yeah, you might want to chat to us about leadership and learning and, and your experiences so far, which I hope you, you'll be happy to do. Yes, happy to share. I mean, if it helps, you know, it's it's good to share knowledge and you know experiences. So, yes, I'm happy to chat about it. Oh, fantastic. And well, before we get in, into any of that, I, I wanted to just ask you, you know, how, how are you? How have you been? How have the last sort of two or three months been in MCO in Malaysia? How, how are you doing? Well, I think like everyone else, it was initially a, a bit of a struggle to stay home, you know, knowingly and purposefully. Um, you get so used to, you know, going out, just popping out to buy groceries, down to the 7-Eleven or, you know, grabbing a coffee when, and you can't do that. So for the first few weeks, it was a bit hard staying at home, even though it's a comfortable home, you have your family with you, but it was, it was a bit strange staying mm. at home. But after that, I think it was a good time. It turned a bit because you could see and you could reflect more, you could actually be there with you know the ones who matter most to you so i think it was a uh, in the end it, it it you know it was a good time <laughs> for me anyway um because i had also just left um Banama. so in all it also helped you know move that 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 to the next level of okay let's let's just take a break reflect uh, think about you know what what more you can do not just more of the same and, and and talking about banana, I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty fascinated because what a what a huge role that you played there, but a role that they have across digital radio, media, TV channels across Malaysia, news, and so on. And um, tell me a little bit about tell me a little bit about banana first of all, and also what you did there. Yes, banana is the national news agency in Malaysia. Um, and it has, you know, its its newsroom. It has um, its website, TV, radio. Um, but I think what I was trying to do there was trying to make it, you know, to stay relevant for the the future. As you can see, the future, the media itself, the media industry itself, is struggling. Um, mm -hmm. It's 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 a slow. Well, actually, it's not so slow. It's actually quite a fast evolution of how we consume news. Um, you know, nobody waits for the eight o'clock news. The print people are slowly but surely um, falling down the you know down the staircase. Um, <laughs> with with mobile, you are updated. You are alerted to the latest happenings from around the world. You know, as they come on. So you don't. Who wants to wait? For the eight o'clock news, um, who waits for the print edition to come in? You know, you get it at midnight, two o'clock in the morning. What's mm -hmm. happening? So 
that was the things that I was trying to, you know, push the the you know the the, the state news agency forward on. Mm. Um, but it was a challenge for people, you know, for civil servants who'd been so used to doing the same thing. There were certainly people who understood and wanted to make change, but you know, it, it was a struggle for people who had not who were not used to the corporate, um, you know, moving in that kind of ag agile fashion. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it was. And you were you were there about what three years or so? Was that right? No, about oh. a, a year and a half. Oh, okay. Yeah, it made a big impression um, on you. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> it was also unexpected. I mean, it was some. It wasn't something that I was, you know, um, applied for or looking for. But you know, sometimes things work in unexpected ways. Rather like the way we we've come to this podcast as well. Um, so the way, as you know, there was a change in government um, mm. for in Malaysia about mm. you know two years ago. Um, so that was when they wanted something different. So they asked me to look at it from a corporate viewpoint. So. Mm. I decided, okay, this is also a good opportunity, so I went in. But mm -hmm. then again, recently, just before the COVID, we had another change of government again. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, this is politics, which, um, you know, has its way of doing its own thing. So then yeah. they thought, okay, um, my time's up, let's um, part ways. So now I'm back out looking, you know, just, like I said, just in the, in the, in the, in the, in a good time to reflect, given that you're, you've got to stay at home, there are other yeah. issues also big and broader. So yeah, it's, you know, some things work, things work out without it, without you planning it. <laughs> yeah, I think they do. I think, I think sometimes, sometimes it's hard to see it at the time, but when you sort of join yeah. the dot retrospectively, there's a kind of logic to it. Definitely. Yes. And I mean, I, you know, I think, uh, you know, we, we've, you know, we've opened the office in Malaysia now 18 months ago, and that was, you know, the calling to be in Malaysia for me was because I used to work with Frim many years ago in oh, Malaysia, right. uh, where, you know, when I was in London doing, you know, forest research work. And so I just remember it. And I thought, well, what a place to, to come. So it all there's, there's these wonderful twists and turns we have in our career. Yeah. And, I, and I suppose that's that's something I wanted to reflect on with you as well, is I suppose all of the different roles you've had as a leader, you know, they always shape you. I and mean, what, what are some of the experiences that have really influenced you and shaped you um, in your leadership journey, Noreen? For me, it's it's both the highlights as well as the lowlights. Um, sometimes I think the lowlights actually stay with you longer because they actually teach you more. Um, the highlights are, you know, it's it's nice you're in the shiny moment for the for that point in time but and then you have to move on to the next things but you overcome or you, or you have to do more to overcome the challenges that you know try to bring you down and i think that's harder but it's a more lasting lesson learned um it, i thought the thing the school of hard knocks and the you know the, the experiences that you live through those things actually are the ones that shape you um you know you, you don't want to you know you know that that saying do unto others as you want them to do to you that really does make you know it has taught me how best to you know help people motivate people because you want them on along for the journey to go on the right to achieve what you want to achieve you know as a leader yeah without a doubt and and is there a particular I mean, thinking back to your time at Banama, I suppose, without, I mean, without going to too many details, I understand, but um, particular challenges you faced as a leader in, in the last in the last year or two, or just before you stepped down, I suppose? Um, I, yeah, I think the most challenging was trying to, for me to understand where they were coming from, because they were not used to, well, one, they were not used to having a woman. That was one. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
second. Okay. They were not used to having, um, I suppose, a very corporate you know, background person as a CEO, it had been mostly, you know, um, rank and file people from Manama who'd been senior and then they go up and up and up and eventually take over as CEO and, you know, chief editor and the chairman. So it was, it was very, you know, inside, internal to just Manama. Very few outsiders came in. And so the, it was very the, the way they thought was ah this is this is life i mean you know if you say it yeah. from in their in their own little microscopic viewpoint that's what they knew and coming mm. in from the outside it was it was very challenging for them and for me i think as well so yeah. that was the one that was trying to be empathetic at the same time to be assertive enough for them to understand like look if you don't do it it's going to be you know it's going to be difficult for you to remain Mm. as a news agency because now especially now with with all this pandemic and this all, all this econ economic you know mm. um, disruptions happening to everyone where is the money where the government is going to spend its money or how mm. much it's going to spend is even more you know they, they have to calculate even more than they used to before yeah yeah um so it is it is very i think it's a very challenging time for everyone and i think you know when when we go through those roles as leaders, trying to trying to actually um, persuade people about why change is needed is quite a hard yes. thing, as you say. I mean, it, it, within the agency, that's all they've known, and and you know, being reasonably successful because of government funding and so on. Of course, now that in a, and as a state entity, and it all changes, and and the world is changing around them. So, yeah, I, I think it's a. It, and, and I mean, has it did it sort of change your view at all about what? what great leadership looked like. I mean, you've mentioned a great sort of phrase there about balancing sort of understanding with also being very clear with them. I mean, in very simple terms, you know, what, how do you define great leadership? I think to me, great leadership is if you can inspire people to actually do better than what they're used to, um, mm -hmm. make them see that it's not, it's not about me, it's for the greater good. I don't think that just because you're the CEO or you're the chairman or you know whatever the top name is the president <laughs> it's, it's you don't it's not about the the glory the reputation that you know the perks that come with being you know at that level it's about whether you understand and can get everyone on board along so that they can be successful on your journey to make whatever organization that you're you know working at and with to be successful to stay <laughs> in business in you know in most cases or to stay relevant um mm. you know so so this is to me what leadership is about is it's it's actually trying to get people to to work with you not because not just because you are the boss yeah. <laughs> and not because they're just scared because you're the boss <laughs> <laughs> I wish if only it was that easy. If only it was that easy. Yeah, eh? Not that easy. But it's it's strange because some people because they're so used to like, oh, he's the boss. We must follow them, even though I don't agree. You know. So that's 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 the tricky part. Sometimes sometimes you want to be told like, no, no, we could, maybe we should do it this way instead, or you know, this is another better way, or because we have done it this way, can we do it this way? But you know, those things is are, are the challenges that you know you face. Um, at, least, at least I faced, um, and it's I think not just at Panama. I think it's, I suspect everywhere. You know, it doesn't matter where any organization. I think would have the same kind of challenges. Yeah, I, without a doubt, and I think you know, 
even in the time I've been coming to Malaysia, and I sort of, I've been coming regularly for now for two years. So just mm-hmm. prior to the big, you know, government change, the first one, yep, uh, and and, and <laughs> I, I've just seen that change in the time I've been coming is is a more what organizations wanting a more consultative style of leadership or you know collaborative wanting people to speak up and actually speak their mind more than saying i'm just going to comply because they're the boss and you know trying to trying to really harness those ideas and but yeah it's very very interesting now let me just reflect with you as well about how do you how have you kind of managed to stay sane (laughs) during those times as well so i mean uh, you know all of that takes its toll so you're in an organization where change is needed they're not used to having uh a woman as a a boss which is a whole other dynamic and (laughs) so you're you're you've got all of that on your shoulders how how have you managed to kind of balance that with other areas of your life because i think you know we all struggle with that as leaders how do you how do you manage that i suppose at the end of the day for me um you you just you have to remember why you're doing it, and and it's for the for the bigger picture, for the greater good. Um, it's for the good of the organization, but at the same time, there's also an element that you are working because you also need, you know, to be to provide for your family. Um, you also want to help in the nation building, or you know, whatever it is. So, in the past few organizations, it's not just it's not just been about it's just a job there was more to it than just making money for the organization but there was also the 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 the, the social aspect of it mm. or the national agenda or na- nation building aspect of it so i mean in in the sense of you know from coming from a pure corporate line into a corporate yet with a national um agenda you know institutions um it has changed your perspective a bit. So you tend to like, okay, this is for the greater good. Mm. So this is why it keeps you, I think, more balanced because you have to give it your best at work. At the same time, you are also part of the other side of the, of the, you know, of the, of the line, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. You uh, are yeah. also on the receiving end. I mean, this also worked when I was, you know, previously at the EPF, I worked at the EPF, but at the same time, I'm also an EPF member. Yeah. So you, you, so you, you, so as a provident fund, you realize that I'm also doing this because I, my own, you know, husband, my children later on as they go into the workforce, they are all going to be part of this system. So I have to do what is best, not just for the company, but for the, for the, for the people of Malaysia. Absolutely, and I, I think it's something that's lost on. Um, you know people sometimes is is the fact that as leaders we're also part of the team so we're also if we're talking about culture it impacts us as well you know when we're talking about how you know workplace and well-being and balance that's not just everyone else that's that's the leaders as well so it's it's uh yeah looking at that as you say that greater good and and the fact it impacts everyone um yeah it's and now if i could um take you a couple of steps back in time uh so i I, you know we often talk at inspire group about the fact that we spend about ten thousand days at work whether we're in the office (laughs) or at home as we are at the moment and if i think back to to your first ever role and and imagining you turning up for that first day and and i'd love you to tell me what that first job was in a minute um you know what what do you wish you'd known well what was that first job and what do you wish you'd known back then that you know now (laughs) (laughs) first job uh, i was 
I was surprisingly I was an analyst, computer analyst, uh, analyst programmer, um, and I don't know. Uh, unfortunately, it was it wasn't it wasn't me. So <laughs> I, I was not very good at that. I mean, I thought I was. I mean, during those days in the eighties, you know, it was talking about the the advent of computers and computer science and things like that. But I tried. I mean, but the only thing I can say is that after that, it did help me understand that you know without you know computers without automation without technology as we know it you know what we know now would never mm. have happened so it has given me that appreciation but as a tech person um i can use it but i'm not really very not really a technical person <laughs> so if i had known um i might have changed courses <laughs> Oh, I think that uh, it, it, you know it's 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 much better to discover what you don't want to do as well. You know that's the great learning. I think one of the learnings is that you don't know what you cannot do until you do it. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know, it's like it's like today, or you know, going into Brahma, or even you know. Sometimes I feel that my career has been a big steps of um just jumping from one to another, um, without really. You know, with with confidence, but mm. with 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 a, 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 some degree of uncertain uncertainty. But look, I think I can do it. I will just go with where the wind is, and then hopefully and pray and do your best with what you have to make sure it sails in the right direction and you don't topple over. <laughs> That's a great, what a great way of looking at it. Now, speaking of, of of sailing into new directions, you know, here's a here's a tough one for you. I mean, how do you see the next few months? playing out, I suppose, in, in Malaysia, you know, from what you see across the country and from your, you know, experience at Banama, you know, how's the country going to go for the next few months? You know, what does that mean for not just the country, but workplaces and, you know, how difficult to, difficult to gaze into the future, I know, but what, what are you seeing at the moment? Well, um, I'm seeing a lot of, um, you know, there's still a lot of delays, uncertainty, um, they've just announced yesterday that you know only the children the that's going to be taking exams at the secondary level for the like O levels and A level equivalents will be going back to school. Um, the rest of the children will they have not made a decision yet. I mean, I fully understand that for you know like um, preschoolers and the primary school kids because they're so young, um, they may not understand really what is social distancing. Mm. But even like for the secondary school from thirteen, you know, fourteen up to sixteen, even though they're older, but you know they are. Will they really understand and be able to have the discipline to have mm. the social distance? Mm. Um, it also has a snowball effect on people because at first we were all forced to stay at home much like mm. New Zealand but now they've opened up the the offices um, people are moving back in on a staggered basis mm. but you know it's, it's a cycle if the children are not able to go back to their schools or preschools or daycare centers how do the parents go back to to work if they have no you know um, they have no other, no other alternatives of of, of yeah. taking care of their children. So you know there, there is a little bit of a domino effect as well. So while you want the economy to start, business to restart, but some of them may not be able to restart because of this, you know, this 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 issue of who's going to take care of the yeah. <laughs> the children. 
<laughs> or all their parents for that matter as well. You know, it's it's not everyone that that has home help and you know and things like that. Yeah. Uh, so it's 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 interesting. And then I think there will be some people. Oh, this organization, I think as well, will have to think that working from home may need to be a more permanent, you know, yeah. alternative, not just a. Uh, by the way, you know, uh, a crisis management alternative because of this pandemic. But now yeah. it might be that it has to be a more, you know, an option that you have to give to people. But then it then it, it creates that next level. Like when you look at the organization itself, then, oh, do we need all these people then? You know, so this this cycle of, of thinking will have to will have to start as well for, for I think many organizations. Is this what we need? moving forward or can we do we have to let go of some things or reinvent how we do things yeah so i think there's a lot of things a lot of thinking that has to be looked at that, that. I, I i agree i think i think the pace of um the pace of change and adaptation i think in the next three to six months will be mm. huge i mean i think there'll be yes. more change in the next three months than the last three yes. months because yep. as you say in the, in the last three months it was quite easy we were just all at home under lockdown or mco or yep. cmco yep. yes now you're sort of seeing this hybrid model appear which is is great in many ways but it's going to require quite a lot of adjustment and you know from learning and development to communication to yes. Yes. how we how we digest information um going to be fascinating for sure and uh, yeah we're, we're sure the, the, the second half of 2020 which we're coming into very soon is going to be uh, just as eventful i think as, as the first half um, but, but um, let me uh, let me finish by asking you about about guidance as well because i think um you know you've been through some really interesting roles and you've had some time for reflection now as well i mean is, is there is there something that's guided you on your leadership journey or maybe someone or a mentor or a piece of kind of life advice or mantra that you have um <laughs> well no i mean i've had there have been a lot of people who inspired me um mm -hmm. but i mentioned earlier, i mean there are also people who do not inspire me but you learn from it as well <laughs> yeah. you know you mean i'm sure like you 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 work with the good the bad the ugly you have you know leaders oh. bosses co-workers and they're all they can either inspire you or because they are so uninspiring, you learn that, okay, maybe this is, this is a lesson learned of what not to do or how not, be, how, how not to do it. So yeah. those are also learning experiences as well. Um, so it's, it's, it's difficult to say if there's any one mantra, but I think it's about, I think, being true to yourself, being honest, because I think in the end, people... You know, if you have empathy, people will understand and appreciate what you're trying to do. It's not because you want it, but but because it's something that needs to be done, you know, for the greater good, for their good. It's not just for yourself. So, but this is where it has, I think, that that empathy, that realism, that authenticity. And I think those are the things which, which inspire, I mean, the people who have shown that to me, have been the ones that have affected um, you know the way i try to also you know lead and work as a team and want to work with people so it's it's those kind of stuff it's it's not so much because i'm the boss listen to me that's that's the you know i suppose maybe in the old days that was what people were looked up to yeah i i think i think it's definitely that i've seen the power of empathy in the last 
two or three months and, and so much yeah. has been written about it and we're very you know blessed here in new zealand to have the prime minister that we have and, and the empathy yes. she's been able to sh empathy and clarity that she's been able to give us there are many times when I've walked up, but I spoke to my other girlfriends, like, why can't we all migrate to New Zealand? Can we have her as our prime minister? Can we go, can we import her? I think there's quite a long there's quite a long queue in the at the moment. I think so. I think so. I really admire your prime minister. Oh well, that's that's lovely. Well, we'll uh, we'll we'll tag her on this on this post on LinkedIn when we put it out. See if she see if she listens. Maybe she will. Marie, um, thank you so much. Stay safe, and uh, I look forward to meeting you for real one day when I'm back in Malaysia. I look forward to that as well. Thank you. Okay. Thank you.